0: Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter.
1: So there's good news and bad news. Okay, so let's start with the bad news so we get that out of the way. When you look at supply chains, they are continuing to face shortages, delays, bottlenecks, and many leaders and and companies are just having to absolutely transform their supply chain network to become more agile and resilient. So the good news in this, oh, sorry, I have one more piece of bad news. Given all of those challenges, there's a predicted talent shortage of 4 million supply chain professionals. Okay, that's the bad news. We'll stop there. The good news is that it offers tremendous opportunities for those who want to go into such a role. And it provides great career growth and advancement, you know, at all levels. And this shift in supply chain prevents tremendous opportunity for female leaders in particular. You know, we all know that logistics, transportation, supply chain, and we'll dive into more just exactly what supply chain is. It's a a multidimensional network but significantly, it is has been over the years, it's been male-dominated, you know, and, and it there hasn't been that opportunity for female leaders the way, you know, there are many, and you'll hear from a couple of them today, they're trying to pave the way to make that happen. And and all of this, I got to quote my source here, because as always, I prepare for my shows, I Google it, um, but I want to thank Hannah Kane, she's the founder and CEO of ALoam, ALOM, a supply chain company, which helps um, leaders and organizations responsibly manage the physical, digital, and financial su- supply chain. So thank you, Hannah, for setting the stage for us. So how is it then that you know women have better opportunity now? Well, Hannah goes on to say that you know women are typically or uniquely positioned to build the supply chain organizations of the future. You see female supply chain executives and you'll meet a couple of them again today, but you see them at the head of significant organizations such as UPS, Stericycle, you know, J&J, you know, one of our amazing partners. And what they bring to this role is that they have that more balanced perspective to lead, you know, with empathy, with cooperation, you know, with collaboration. You know, nobody in supply chain succeeds alone. You know, more than any other business discipline what Hannah shares is supply chain is that collaborative sport. And much of the delays and the disruptions that we're navigating through right now have existed because of the absence of communication and collaboration. And you know, you can see how that could happen. You know, when team players don't work together, systems don't align, and then you don't have that visibility. You don't have that efficiency. And then what it does is it leads to underutilization of the already underdimensioned physical port infrastructure. Freight simply gets stuck between the next link and the supply chain and has no information when that freight is about to arrive or that it has already arrived. And these challenges, more than ever, have been amplified over the past two years as the power in the supplier and the customer relationship has shifted. Previously, if you think about it, and this is interesting, customers held the balance of the power and often took advantage by squeezing suppliers in all areas from price to terms to dragging out the payment in a way beyond the negotiated terms. but as our global impact hit us, the pandemic, the social upheavals the national natural disasters and geopolitical national conflicts um, slowed supply chains customers who've employed a more collaborative approach have gotten first dibs on what, you know, rolls off the production lines. And they've received first access, even more importantly, and innovations that often take place at the supplier level. And although we are living in the decade of data, even technology so far cannot single-handedly solve these, these chain problems. So how many women are in supply chain? So according to Gartner, women comprise 41% of the supply chain workforce in 2021. And that's up from 39% in 2020. And although this is positive, um, it reveals that the executive level has seen a slight decline. And women have made progress, but there's still so much more to do. And you know what? That's what we're going to share with you today. So given all of this, our conversation today, we're going to focus on how leaders and companies can better support the advancement of women in supply chain. I'm Sarah Alter, your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, and proudly the CEO and president of Next NextUp. And I am joined by three incredible leaders and guests. Chris Adderton, Vice President for the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals. Crystal Atkinson, Associate Director, Customer Supply Chain at Kellogg's. And Darcy McLaren, Senior Vice President, Digital Supply Chain and Manufacturing, North America for SAP. So welcome, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) All righty. So Chris, let's kick it off with you. Okay. Why are you joining us today? Other than I know you cannot say no to me and I never say no to you because, <laughs> because our two groups partner so nicely, our Absolutely. missions clearly align. But what, what in your personal and professional journey in your story connects you with
2: supply chain? Well, I have a pretty diverse background Primarily in CPG, so I gr- grew up in a privately owned sales and marketing company, and which brought me to one of my clients, ConAgra Brands, spent some time there and got to build an, an organization I was very proud of and was recognized as a high-performing organization. And I somehow got tapped to do an integration of our order cast process, going from three versions of SAP and two homegrown solutions to one entity and <laughs> got to build a new team and it sort of led me down the path of, of looking at how you build a, a high-performing team by looking at capacity and, and capability. And, and what I came to find out after getting that team together was most of my most successful leaders and and uh, the people that were doing the best work were women. <laughs> and it wasn't intentional at the time. I had a pretty good HR team that helped me look at the criteria for the jobs. And, and I've been supporting this initiative for a number of years um, and with support with folks like SAP and Darcy, we've, made, we've put an emphasis on um, on diversity in the supply chain. And um, we'll talk more about that later. But I have a bit of a mongrel dog pedigree. So you know, I've done a lot of different things. Um, ran, ran a company in the consolidated world of sales and marketing, but then um, did some um, interim CEO work after I left the Nielsen Company as the head of, of their uh, client service organization in the U.S., and then landed at yeah. CSCMP through a personal contact with Rick Blaston, who was our CEO at the time and was a former mm-hmm. colleague. So, truly a, a diverse opportunity, always looking for challenges. And I think that led me to many different paths. So, uh, truly look like a mongrel dog <laughs> when you look at me at the end of the day.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you like, show dog, come on. <laughs> no, and, and, and one, I loved that plug for SAP. I saw Darcy <laughs> smiling. Um, we are all about shining the spotlight on incredible leaders and brands and organizations. And um, and like I said, we'll provide we'll provide links. Fear not, so you can get information on Chris's amazing group, CSCMP. And then Darcy's going to share. She has another phenomenal group um, for female leaders in supply chain. And I just want to do a shout out to both, you know, Kellogg's and the SAP, because they are incredible partners for next step. And so we're so grateful for that. But, um, but yeah, Chris, no, we're so glad you're here. Um, Crystal, what prompted you
3: to join us? My goodness, Sarah, first off, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, what I oh, will gosh, say is just, just being in this seat right now is a bit surreal Uh, when i think about two years ago really making the intentional decision to show up differently uh it was after experiencing a tremendous loss from my family and having to. yeah it was definitely a troublesome time but knowing that my colleagues were there to support me and um, provide me that space of saying, you have your own voice, it's now time to use it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it really started after attending an employee resource group um, within Kellogg that's called CARG, Kellogg African American Resource Group. And they were hosting a summit in June of 20, or excuse me, it was in the fall of 2020 during the heightened, you know, of our COVID season. Indeed. yeah. <laughs> yes. And the messaging was all around walking with intention and acting with courage. And so as I sit here today, uh, it's, it's a full circle moment of really understanding the importance of being intentional about the connections that you make, being able to elevate those voices, including your own and showing up. Right. And so my why being here today is for that listener who may be in my position that's saying, do I really have a voice? Is there something I can add to the conversation and what industry you're playing in? Yes, you can. For me, it's Mm -hmm. supply chain. Not only am I a woman, but I'm a black woman that shows up unapologetically. And so being here today uh, is just exciting to be a part of the conversation. And I've been in the industry for 15 years. I got my first taste of supply chain in the world of store operations. And I said, one day I'm gonna go back and get my master's focus in supply chain. It took me a little longer than most, but seven years later, That happened. Not only did that happen, but it afforded me the opportunity 30 days into that master's program connecting with Kellogg. And 10 years later, I've been in the customer supply chain world. It's been highs, highs of highs and lows of lows, as you know, dealing with the constraints that we are facing even today. But at the core of it, it's still the voice that's being elevated. So now, not only have I had the opportunity to elevate the voice of others personally, including my own, but I've had the opportunity now over these last 10 years to elevate the voice of the customer. So excited to be here, Sarah, and looking forward to the further conversation.
1: Awesome. Well, we are so excited to have you. So Darcy, all let's right. hear First, your story.
4: <laughs> Sarah, thank you for bringing us all together. Of course. And, commonly, it is. I'm honored to be on a, a, a podcast here with though, Chris and Crystal, which is interesting. We have Chris and Crystal. So I'm going to start. Yeah. To start. Oh, yeah, I know. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start kind of my journey, and that will lead to why I'm here today. So I came right out of university and was recruited heavily by Hewlett Packard, who then um, sponsored my my MBA. And it was while I was in my MBA, And going through courses with operation research, I I just fell in love with the whole concept of algorithms, optimization, solving complex problems. So when I was ready to move from Hewlett Packard, I went into supply chain because I like it. To me, it's like I'd rather Mm -hmm. figure out the battle than count up the debt afterwards, which is how I view ERP and Foundation. They're very very important. They're back in systems, but I'd like to kind of decide the decisions, and, and I just found it fascinating. So I began working with innovative niche supply chain vendors in all aspects of supply chain, building and scaling them. And then about 10 years ago, I joined SAP on their journey, which encompasses all aspects of supply chain for what we call design to operate. Now, what COVID did in a good way was expose to the world the importance of supply chain, and it exposed how connected we all are globally cross mm-hmm. departments, cross cycles, cross companies. And it was really for self-preservation that I looked around and my stats. Of women, first of all, I didn't have enough people. We were exploding. We needed more talent. You noted earlier in the in the podcast, there's a talent shortage. Right. My own organization, 23% women, not good. So it's really self-preservation in order, where are we going to get talent? That really I embarked mm-hmm. on where do we need to go to find new talent and how do we improve the diversity on my team? Right, which Wall Street Journal just had an article this week on, you know, you want you want good people. Women in supply chain, statistically diverse groups, statistically are higher performing, and women in particular are high performing. So it's really in how to improve Some. diversity, yeah. how to find really talented yeah. people, that I formed the Women in Supply Chain, and it's why talking about this is so important. There's a lack of talent, but there's a real lack of women, and a lot of it is they don't know. Mm-hmm about the profession, about how phenomenal it is. And so right now it's kind of I'm using the covid thing and the exposure as a good time and the final thing is we need fresh blood in supply chain that are technically savvy because you cannot manage the supply chain team now unless you embrace right. the technology and a lot of the ones coming out they're the ones that they get it right, they get it fast and they're embracing the technology. So I'm here because I'm, you know, I'm on a mission to really improve the diversity and the talent in supply chain. So thank you very much for, for having me on with this, with this stellar group.
1: And Darcy, I'd shared this with Crystal and Chris when we'd done our, our first prep session, but my daughter works at Accenture and she joined like the strategy and growth, um, you know, arm of, of their, you know, consulting practice. And she's done, she's been doing supply chain studies. And, and she's like, I, I, I didn't appreciate like how complex and strategic and, you know, pivotal. It's not just about, you know, getting the freight to where it needs to go. You know, it's um, so it's, it's been it's been interesting to, you know, hear her journey on that. So so let's talk about so, Chris, real quickly it, it, or Crystal and Darcy, because you're living it real time. What would you say are like the top three or four challenges today? in in supply chain. So the one is clearly talent. You know, I shared that stat that, you know, there's an estimated 4 million leaders lacking, but what are some of the other challenges? And you alluded to it, Darcy, that, you know, COVID shone the light (laughs) on not only like probably the supply chain inadequacies, but so many other things as well. So many of the sociopolitical (laughs) situations, and thankfully it did because it's prompted more people to take action. But what, what are some of the other couple of dynamics at play that have made the supply chain just like out of
2: balance? You know, I, I, it's pretty certain that the supply chain or what I like to call now the supply chain network um, was highly efficient and always driven on cost and efficiency. And that drove people to make logical decisions at the time when the world looked differently. And what's happened is the environment around us changed incredibly rapidly, triggered by COVID, but also driven by (laughs) socioeconomic and political changes taking place. And the tension on the supply chain was at its maximum. So the minute one part was stressed and in some places broken as a result of the disruption that we felt, there were no other levers to pull because every time you look someplace else for a historical offset, um, the classical issue is is transportation. And um, right. you know, when maritime broke down, people historically reverted to air freight. It was a cost issue. But guess what? Because passengers weren't flying, there was less air freight capacity. So therefore, that resource wasn't available. And it just cascaded mm-hmm. across the supply chain. So everyone said, what are my choices? And how long will this last? And the dialogue changed from stable, efficient, very streamlined supply chains to agility and, and resilience right so and, and we found out we weren 't very agile and we weren't very resilient yeah and some of these investments take a long time. Some successful companies had been moving in that direction and had a shorter duration of disruption, but the tension's still high and now and then you added on to that you know the 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 global impacts of disruption relative to a war and natural um Natural resource capabilities. So the, the supply chain itself never faced a convergence of this type of activity. And the term collaboration does apply because the primary definition of collaboration is working with your enemy. I, I prefer to hope we get to a level of cooperation in the future um, because right. I think that is at its heart some of the tension, not only externally, but yeah. internally with the organizations themselves, where historically, Manufacturing would have one view of what is efficient, transportation would have one view, warehousing, and then obviously the personnel side of this, um, which we'll talk more about, um, is critical. And and how you you build capability and flexibility and balance that against not just cost, but value. And Mm -hmm. value then becomes the decision. Yeah.
1: And and that's where then technology plays such a key role. And I think Darcy, you alluded to it, Crystal, I see you shaking your head, yes. Darcy and Crystal, how can technology play a role then? You know, how does it help identify what we need to be doing to balance?
4: Want we take that first, Crystal? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So so to Chris's point, the key things in, in a supply chain, you want to be agile. And from that, that really means you need to set up what we call synchronized planning. And that stems from the fact, as an organization, you have to be set up for the longer term about how much inventory I need, how much manufacturing capacity I need, what are the long-term material constraints, what are the overall logistics, but have it synchronized so that as you move into a narrower window, you can start getting the more close to reality. And then, of course, when you're in execution. So, you set the organization up so that you can turn it a little bit more agile because what we do know is that disruption will continue. What we don't know is where it will Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Will it be a political thing? Will it be uh environmental hurricane here? Will it be, you know, temperatures yeah. are too high, too low? So, that concept of synchronized planning, of planning an organization, to Chris's point, that you're not so tight, low cost, single source, gives you the ability to flex. And when you do so, it's the technology that allows you to set those models up. And then it's intelligent technologies that allow you to do when I have to make a decision, optimize it in the best way that's best for my organization and then communicate that. And that's all with technology and embedding it. And the other part of it is you need to be more productive and that's where concepts like Industry 4.0 start in, where you're automating your operations, but not just from a factory perspective. You're taking it through your entire organization to be connected in an intelligent way through manufacturing, through delivery, through after the sale. And then finally, from technology says you got to get connected. You've mm-hmm. got to connect it to your customers, to your vendors, to your suppliers, to all your things, because you need that visibility to know what's going on In order to give you that ability to react. So technology, you cannot run a supply organization, as I said, unless you're embracing technology. It's too big, too complex, too disruptive. And I'm sure Krista wants to add to that because she lives it every day. I I was just I was just going to say, so, yeah,
1: you're (laughs) living it and loving it just so everybody knows. Yeah. (laughs) How does it play a role then in what you do?
3: Oh my goodness. From a practical sense, it's impossible to get away from it. If you want to be successful in whatever industry you play in, it's important that technology is in the forefront of the discussions to ensure that one, you're thinking ahead, planning for the future, And two, with the present, you're able to understand where those bottlenecks are so that you can enforce the right tools around it to get outside of those areas of opportunity to move forward. So prime example is at the peak of COVID, right? When everyone is stressed to the brim of how do we get products from one place to another, if no one has line of sight to where are my pain points? Is it a specific region? Is it a specific carrier? Is it a specific manufacturing facility? If you don't have the tools necessary to show that, it becomes an impossibility to know where to take the next step. And Mm then if we take that same idea and think about in wanting to have a more diverse workforce, that same mindset needs to be in place. Where can I find this talent? It exists. It's just understanding where to pull from and what regions or schools or communities um, that you can find those resources.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I love too, Darcy, (laughs) you shared, okay, just know there are going to be situations that unfold. There are going to be natural disasters. (laughs) There are, you know, Chris, uh, Crystal and I were were talking earlier. There's that expression, you know, man makes plans and God laughs. <laughs> yes. My 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 version of it, as you can expect from the group I belong to, <laughs> is we make plans and God giggles. That's what's happening. There you go. There you Supply go. chain, right? But the
4: classic um, was when the ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. Oh, so I know. Right? Didn't plan that? Nobody. What else it did is nobody realized how much freight mm-hmm. goes through the Suez Canal. And then just because the ship is released does not mean instantaneously <laughs> everything's going to flow and we're back to normal. No, no. That's the sort of the visibility that kind of helps people understand the problem. And then you need the technology to say, OK, now what are we going to do about this? How are we going to reroute everything? How are we going to notify the people that aren't yeah. going to be happy because of the result? You know, it's all tied yeah. together.
1: Yeah, no. And 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 I know our audience has heard me tell this story before, but my first job out of college um, after getting a degree in economics, <laughs> I was a truck dispatcher and I was in the rail yards. Oh, and wow. so, OK, so I don't want to go back however many centuries that was, <laughs> but there was no insight. And it's like, we didn't know when the trains were going to show up until the train showed up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you had your truck drivers, you know, just anxiously awaiting so that they could, you know, dispatch it out to wherever it needed to go. But, yeah, there was no data or technology or insight so that you could balance it and anticipate, you know, any p- potential delays and then pivot accordingly. So, clearly, we have set the stage that, one – There is a great opportunity for supply chain leadership roles. And two, you know, women can be very successful at this type of of a career and adventure. We're going to take a quick break, but don't leave us because now we're going to dive into, all right, well, what can you do as a leader to potentially pursue such a, a, a fantastic opportunity. And then more importantly, what do leaders and organizations need to be doing like Darcy is to make sure that this happens. Um, so thank you to everybody who's been listening so far to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. We will be back.
0: For over 20 years, next up has been bringing professional women allies and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers together we are a powerful growing community of over 14,000 members and 300 plus regional and corporate sponsors we work to create leadership opportunities amplify women's voices in the workplace and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next members of next up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities get best-in-class leadership development opportunities and attend our two annual national conferences which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership join next up today Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership.
1: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at NextUpIsNow.org. That's NextUpIsNow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. Today, we are talking about how leaders and companies can better support the advancement of female leaders in supply chain. And I am joined by three incredible guests, Chris Adderton, Vice President for the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, Crystal Atkinson, Associate Director, Customer Supply Chain Kellogg, and Darcy McLaren, Senior Vice President, Digital Supply Chain and Manufacturing North America for SAP. So Crystal and Darcy, you are you are living this adventure. Um, and absolutely rocking it. Um, but Crystal, let's start with you. If you're early in your career, or even if you're not, like you want to broaden that, that, that runway, right? You know, expand the experience that you can gain and bring to the table. What are a few things that you can do individually to position yourself more successfully to pursue such a role and such a function?
3: Definitely. I'd say that's something for myself personally. It's an evolution that I'm yet still on at this moment. Uh, But the first thing that comes to the Mm -hmm. forefront for me is to really take time to assess who you are and what's important to you. What are the areas that are of interest? If you're a problem solver, if you like analytics, uh, that can take you in varying different spaces in the world of supply chain. Uh, At the same token, it's important to broaden your network. So ensure that you are uh, soliciting from your peer group, if there are industry events that you can hook into, that's a way to mm. get an understanding of, hey, do I have an interest in procurement? Or would I be better suited in uh, taking a space in customer supply chain, which is where I'm at, or going into manufacturing or logistics or distribution. The 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 roles out there are endless. It ultimately starts with what are the areas that are of most interest to you and then finding those industries that are best suited. Um, As I believe it was Chris mentioned, you know, in the tech space, there's so much opportunity right now. We've talked about that today in understanding how do you unlock the uh, vast bottlenecks that we're seeing across the supply chain. So I'd say those are two areas for sure that I want to bring to the forefront. And then the last one, and I led with this, is just showing up, being your authentic self. That in itself changes the game when you are wanting to embark, especially if it's a career change. I changed my career three times, and each time it was on the the hymns of being vocal and sharing what it is that I had an interest in in that moment, and someone being willing to take a risk and sponsor in some way, shape or form, providing the opportunity to go into those spaces. So I would say uh, it's never too late, no matter whether you're just out of college or if you are tenured in your current role, you can always pivot. It's just a matter of ensuring that from the forefront, you're settled on who you are at your core and how you want to show up. So, so when we say supply chain and,
1: and, and would love your help then in, okay, what do we mean by that? I mean, there are like, what, five, six, seven dimensions to supply chain. Like there's a variety of, of roles, right, that you could play. So name, name a few for us, Crystal.
3: For sure. So I'll give you the cycle of the supply chain, as I call it. I don't own that term, but that's how okay. it was kind of prefaced with me. So going through the cycle, you have uh, the planning, you have the sourcing, you have the making, you have the distributing, and you have the selling. So, if you fit within one of those facets, uh, the the career choices are endless. So, as I alluded to earlier, procurement, uh, that's on the buying side in most instances, but that could be buying from anything. Like for me, what was eye opening with Coming into the CPG space is that there are individuals who their sole purpose is to secure one specific raw material, whether that be a specific grain or a specific chemical, uh, and that that's just one role. And so, if you take that and blow it out into spaces like planning, where we think about integrated business planning, of being a forecaster of, of assessing what the future is going to look like all of that sits within the world of supply chain. So if I would say someone who's in the market or wanting to see what keywords to put in uh, into the, the Google searches of spaces, <laughs> I'd say procurement, I'd say uh, customer supply chain. That's one area that I think yeah. is in its infancy stage of really understanding the unlock there. It's being in a position where you're speaking multiple languages. So not only are you needing to understand the voice of your company, but you also have to understand the voice of that customer. My case is a retailer, and so being able to bring those two mm-hmm. entities together to get uh, and accomplish a goal.
1: Absolutely. So, Darcy, what are some of the like the the what what is the profile or the skill sets that would make you successful?
4: Yeah. And we actually look for these now because we've come full circle in that you just you don't need 25 years of experience in supply chain. You don't. Right. You can actually look for these skill sets and you bring them in more early talent and they're brilliant. And what we look for is, first of all, you have to be bright. It's complex. It's co- So we actually do look. Are you bright? Mm-hmm. Are you a problem solver? Right. Are you analytical? Can you think outside the box? Was spoken about earlier. Are you collaborative? These are all skill sets of a supply chain person. And then for certain roles, you know, it's how technical savvy you are, because we view we can train you on a lot of these things. Because you got to be bright, you got to be um, technically advanced, right, and understand concepts and be logical and problem solving. Then we can bring you into the organization. But but it's interesting, this collaborative skill in getting teams together has proven to be a very helpful component um, in a supply chain practitioner.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or, or like you said, Chris, cooperation, even one level above. I love that. I'd never heard that definition of collaboration. Um, so let's shift to the company then, okay? So what can companies do? Because it's as much about you know, the leaders within an organization being open to taking taking a bet, taking a risk on someone, like you said, Darcy, where they, they don't have the 25 years of experience, but I'm looking for someone who's bright, who's hardworking, you know, who's willing to take that risk. But how do they go about making that happen? Um, you know, Chris, I, I know you have a few thoughts on this.
2: Yeah. It, in fact, it goes back to um, really a key discussion point that Darcy highlighted, if you uh, take this approach, it broadens your resource pool, because you're not narrowing down to just a a resume profile, you're really looking for a broader talent pool, which is critical. And and it came up, Sarah, when you helped me with the the panel discussion a few years ago on what's a diverse team look like, It's people with different backgrounds, different experiences, that then bring their capability and their intellectual capacity to bear and say, let's look at this differently. And and at the core of the discussion we had, you know, a number of years ago, that's what worked. And I personally had that exact experience. I think I told an anecdote before that I brought people that weren't necessarily in order to cash customer service. I was tasked to build a new view of how that gets done, not the functional roles, but let's begin with the end in mind. And ultimately, it was the customer and ultimately it was the consumer. And how do we better serve them? With that mission, I had a much broader talent pool to go after, and again, much like Darcy yeah. indicated, I could train them on the new implementation of the new SAP platform. I could train them on our product knowledge, and I and I had great success with it with a diverse team. And one of one of my colleagues, who's still a friend, um, I'll call her out, Ka- uh, Karen felino Hicks, wanted it to be evaluated after her first ninety days, and she came in and gave a great presentation. It was incredibly successful. Had built her part of the organization mm-hmm. very successfully. And she said, why'd you hire me? I said, I hired you because you didn't know anything. I said, and she sort of <laughs> staggered back. And I didn't speak articulately in that place, but I did, I did mean that you had no inherent bias. So I didn't have to yeah. get you to change your mindset. Yeah. As a result, we put a lot better practices in there. And I think that applies to you know, yeah. the talent pool we're, we're, we're talking about today on the front end Um, I just came from an industry event and 30% of the front-end workers are lost in 30 days and 50% are lost in the first 90 days because they're not appropriately prepared. And another critical aspect of this is you need to allocate time to onboard and train people consistently and and proactively. And that's the first thing that historically gets cut. And that also uh, breaks the trust. I think in prep for this, we talked about what's the key thing that's missing from the workforce perspective perspective, it's trust and authority, it's trust in leadership. And there's a lot of good work yeah, that's been done, yeah. but allocating the time for that, I it, think is, is ex- it, ex- essential.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. And, and to that point, you know, we, we did a study uh, with Deloitte on evaluating the Gen Z
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, group of workers and oh, and they're in the workforce today, they want that training they want that investment. They want to go to a a larger company, unlike the millennials who wanted to start their own company. Mm -hmm. They want to go to a larger company like a Kellogg or an SAP where they invest in them and teach them new and different skills. And Mm -hmm. it's so funny. It always drives my daughter crazy when I talk about her, but as, (laughs) as her mom, I'm here to drive her crazy. But like for her, for example, her degrees, English and philosophy, and now she's doing supply chain, you know, projects. So it 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 again, it just it ties back to, you know, be open to um a diverse set of candidates and young leaders, invest in them, train them, you know, and if they've got that right mindset, like you said, Darcy, there's no reason they can't be successful. Um, you know, Crystal, you you referenced the just the pivotal role of technology, Darcy, you did too. Um, how does that factor then in as you're a company and you're trying to recruit? You know, how do, how do you make sure that, you know, the reality is anybody in the younger generations, technology is a part of their lives today, but expound a little bit more on that.
3: Yes, I would say being intentional of showing up in all those unique spaces. So we talked about this in the prep session, the importance for companies and leaders to really invest that time to get into the communities where their products, in my example, are served. So if you want to engage a diverse uh, talent and perspective and thought, you have to go into the communities where you can get something different. Uh, Because what is the definition of insanity? We keep doing the same thing, expecting (laughs) a different result, right? And so that same same (laughs) motto should be applied when we're wanting to have our workforce reflect the consumer and the communities that we're a part of. So when I think about social media, the uprise of it, that is where most folks who are in my generation and below spend a lot of their time. So it's imperative that companies invest in those spaces to understand Mm -hmm. what's the of the the folks in those communities. How do we reach them? How do we better tell stories? So you mentioned your daughter who has the degrees in English and philosophy. In my world of supply chain, it's all about the art of storytelling. So if we're able to craft messages that pull on what matters to those diverse groups, then we will ultimately increase that talent pool perspective, which will translate to honestly, a better business for any organization that invests in that time. Now, honestly, we wouldn't want to necessarily say that that should be the driver, but there is, and there's many studies out there that prove it, that when we are more diverse in how our population of employees are set, it translates to better business because you have, again, going back to that perspective of diverse thought uh, in, in in the workplace. So... I'd say that that's been my experience, and as I look to the youth who I've had the opportunity to pour into, they're just like, yeah, I see, you know, Kellogg doing this, and that excites me from a different viewpoint Mm -hmm. that when I was their age, you know, my interaction with the company I worked for was through the foods that my parents afforded to put on the table, and so to see that they interact with these brands in a very different way shows that through technology, you're able to get better results.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that, like, for that very reason, to your point, you know, when you go to a college or a university, you know, tap into the diverse communities, right. You know, go to the HBCUs, you know, it, it, it you're, you're, you laid it out so nicely that it's, you know, you're going to get what you target. <laughs> exactly. um, so, so, so Darcy, you took it one step further, which is, you then created a community so that anybody who did come in particularly women into the supply chain industry they had a community there you know to support them and guide them through this journey talk to us about um, that phenomenal group that you've created and, and how people can join it.
4: Yeah, I was I was so excited the way it was embraced because what we're trying to do, and it's not just for leaders, it's for everybody that's in all stages of their career. And we've even expanded it into university and it's for SAP employees, it's for partners of SAP and it's for our customers. So it's pretty open. We've even had competitors come to it because it's all about
1: <laughs> I love
4: it. This. Yeah, that was a question. It's like, well, sure, why not? You know, sure. we not about I, anything proprietary. It's not about SAP. It's it's about supply chain and ment. it's like it's about recruiting.
1: Absolutely. Mentoring,
4: coaching, sponsoring women in supply chain. And what happens is the bigger the group gets, the bigger it gets. And what's amazing is how all women are trying to help. So folks like me, yeah. I'm really stage, my turn to give back. So I'm very willing to sponsor other ones up. So so the first part is getting them into the field. And that's a little bit easier now. The harder part is making sure they're mentored, sponsored, so they stay in the field. And that, so that's why we want to make sure they get the right training. And it can be tough, but we're sponsoring them. We have open communication. So we cross over. So it's just been Fantastic. So, and then just internally within SAP, we've had other folks actually do the crossover from finance, from operation. They too want to get into supply chain, didn't know that was available to them, and we welcome them because first of all, they're already onboarded into SAP, which, quite frankly, is not an easy thing to do. Um, so we don't have right. We don't have to do that. That's we, that's a whole nother show. Okay. And I just, you know, I'm passionate about it, and every woman leader that I talk about. There's no question they want to get engaged because we all have the same. We want to help other women. We want diverse teams. Right. And so it's just been very, very successful. And so we welcome if you are on this podcast to, to join this group. Quarterly we meet virtually once a year we we meet in person. Usually it's at our user conference called Sapphire that is in the May timeframe in Orlando.
1: Absolutely. And and like I shared earlier too, we're going to provide links where you you know listen to our podcast for information on both Darcy's group and then also on Chris's group and yeah it it it's you're you're right Darcy now that I think about it it's like a it's like a double hurdle you know one getting women into STEM you know and then you know recruiting women to SAP and then two getting women into supply chain focused you know STEM roles and we can never cover both of them enough. <laughs>
4: well, Chris will like this. One of the things I recommend folks do that are thinking about it as I tell them to go to CSCMP <laughs> remember they have all sorts of phenomenal courses so that when you do go you you do have some knowledge about what it is just not only does will it help you kind of decide where where's my passion it also helps you when you're talking to somebody about a career to have a little bit more insight into the actual role
2: and it and it broadens your network too which is Absolutely. the most important thing And and I think there's a critical aspect of this too, from a management perspective is mm-hmm. an analogy I make is moving from the command and control contracting world to the outsource role said, focus on the results. But that also requires you to be much more flexible in the work environment before as people have returned to work. It's it's a much different workforce than we've had even five years ago. And they, they have different requirements that have a life as well as a career. And I think Leadership has to be open-minded about that. I think Darcy and I have talked about that in the past. That that supports this new world and again broadens your your resource base, your talent base, but more importantly satisfies their needs so they can stay. I mean, um, Sarah, yeah. you and I talked about the gap of to the move to the C-suite and how many women have been you know sort of excluded uh, because the path isn't is too bumpy. <laughs> it has too many dead ends. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And it, it it's so much like, you know, for me, you know, I think about it like the it, it, I, I had always wanted to go into sales. And so I, I joined this incredible company, American President Companies, and uh, and they're like, uh, oh, we only have an ops role. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, and I wanted to live in Chicago. So I took it. It was the best thing I could have ever done, because in order to be a successful salesperson, you've got to understand right. how. Your company operates. You know how you serve. You know how you how you provide product. You have to understand the customer. You know what do they need and want. If it's product based, if it's service based. You know, and to be a successful C suite leader, you need that too, mm-hmm. right? Like you need to you need to fundamentally understand like your customer base and what they need and want, and what they don't want. You need to understand your P and L, and you need to understand. Oh, you bring that to life, right? So that, that operational and technical side of it. And so, you know, if I'm a younger leader now and I'm sitting here thinking, hey, should I go into supply chain? Absolutely. Because <laughs> there's, right, right. Like, okay, here's where I'm lecturing, right? <laughs> no, I mean, there, you know, there's there's tremendous opportunity. You know, people are clamoring for bright, hardworking people like Darcy. You know, I'm sure, you know, Crystal and your team too, go in, start your career there and you'll be able to pivot from there because you have totally. just multi-dimensional experience and knowledge that you've gained about your company and your brand. And um, yeah, no. So Crystal or Darcy, are you looking for anybody? Should we post those? <laughs> should we post those roles on the oh, podcast? We're
4: looking for so many people. Year over year growth for the supply chain of SAP is um uh, 93% year-over-year growth. It's huge. It's huge. It's, wow. it's One of the top three priorities in SAP, of course, is supply chain. It's so important to our customers. And it's I so important see. to the economy. It's so important to all global economies to get the supply chain right. I mean, it's just it's a huge of course. Idea, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, yes, this is sort of what we do. And so, yes, there's definitely opportunities out there. As I alluded to, that art of storytelling, and that's critical. So when you think about all the facets of supply chain, no matter where you start, there's a space for you. Whether you have a degree in English or a degree in engineering, the two can coincide right. uh, within the world of supply chain. One point that I would love to make, Sarah, as we of talk course. about... Um, the position that companies should truly take in this space, at least from our perspective, I would say that it's imperative that this happens at all levels. So when I think about uh, supplier diversity, so in the realm of like where uh, raw materials are coming from, uh, understanding the importance or the disparity and gaps of what it requires for folks in those spaces just to get the opportunity to, to work. Uh, with companies that, you know, are sitting with us to date, Um, there's a lot of uh, hoops to jump through just to be considered as a supplier to uh, within the manufacturing space anyway. And so when I think about um, these uh, up and coming companies that have been around for a while, but just have yet to get the breakthrough, it starts with organizations really looking at that entire uh, supply chain to understand how can we break down those barriers so that it affords opportunities for women-owned businesses, for uh, businesses that are up and coming that have the expertise but maybe not the bandwidth at this stage to get that uh, that opportunity as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, thank you so much, Crystal. You know, Darcy and and Chris. So grateful for you joining us today and. Um sharing all your great insight and and advice and and thought leadership, you know, I want to thank everybody who has listened in today. I trust you are convinced that you need to be exploring a role in supply chain. Um, voice America, as always, I want to thank you for you know giving me and next up the opportunity to share our voice and our mission with all of you but most importantly to be able to shine the spotlight on incredible leaders like crystal and and chris and darcy um and the incredible you know organizations that they play such a lead role in and and again thank you to chris for your ongoing partnership and and (laughs) kellogg and sap we love you um so to learn more about next up And to listen to all of our podcasts, you can always check us out at nextupisnow.org. I'm Sarah Alter. Thank you for always listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.